0: turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we come together tonight, in just a few moments, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together. And I know it's a little bit different to do it on Sunday night. And uh, certainly uh, we usually here do it on uh, Sunday morning. And most churches I've been at, we usually do it on Sunday morning. But There's always a nice thing to be able to come together on Sunday night, a little more intimate type of service, and uh, just reflect on the Lord's work together as we come. You know, for me, think about the evening meal time, the supper time. Now, that's what we called it in Mississippi, right? Some of you, I know you're more refined. You refer to it as dinner. But for us, it was supper and, you know, even to this day, supper's a, a pretty blessed time for us, and most of the time. Now, Leslie's uh, not here to give her testimony of it. For her, it may not be quite as blessed, preparing and getting things together, but uh, she's preparing right now for supper tonight with our college students. But uh, certainly, those evenings, to be able to come together... And we still come together most of the time as a family and, and sit around the table and, and eat and that for the most part is enjoyable As you get to kind of sit and talk talk about the day and talk about the things that happen Now sometimes we have to encourage one another, right? You'll say how was your day? Oh, so fine How was school? It was great What'd you like at recess? You know sometimes it can be rather but Hopefully, as you as you sit there together, you get to kind of enjoy one another and the family and get to spend time together. Just this week, as I had prepared this message, I noticed one of the studies that had come out about families that just kind of eat together, just enjoy that time together, and how those families experience a closeness. And I think that's great. I think in all the days today, when we can communicate and we can keep up with one another, I mean, and we certainly do today, don't we? No matter where we are, we can communicate and keep up with somebody in our family. We can keep up with our kids. We can keep up with our parents. I mean, you can text them. You can email them. You can call them. I mean, you can stay in touch, it seems like. But there's something still, I think, significant about sitting down and having a meal with somebody and sharing a relationship with somebody and talking about the things that have gone on in one's life. I don't think it's any accident that one of the ordinances of the church is a time of intimate communion, fellowship. When the church came together to just kind of enjoy one another and reflect and remember what Christ did on his behalf. I don't think it's any accident that somehow he chose a meal, that he chose to recognize the closeness of a family coming together to remind us of what he had done for us. Now, Paul had passed on this tradition as we see in the Scripture, and he had spoken to the Corinthian church, and he had encouraged them to come together and to experience that fellowship and that unity and remember. I want you to see in 1 Corinthians, though, that things are not gone as well as Paul had thought it would. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Notice what he said. Now, in giving these instructions... I do not praise you. Rather stinging words, aren't they? I mean, think tonight if the preacher were to get up and to look at you and say, you know, tonight I can't tell you I'm very proud of you. You'd probably turn me off very quickly or perhaps you would listen more intently or perhaps you would get your ballot ready to vote me out at that moment, right? But listen what Paul said. Paul said, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Can you believe he's saying this? He says that when you come together, when you leave that place, when you leave your moment of worship, you've actually done worse than if you not even come. He said, you don't leave better, but you leave worse. Verse 18, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Paul was calling that church in Corinth to recognize what a significant moment it was to come together as God's people and celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, if you'll notice in these verses, in verses 17 all the way through 34, you'll notice that five times at least the verb is used to gather together, to come together, that the church was uniting physically together. That was so important, and it's still so important, isn't it, for the church of the Lord Jesus to come together, to come together in one place. But the problem was that they were coming together physically, but they were not united spiritually. They were in one place, in one location, but they were not united in their hearts, and in their motives, in the very spirit that they were trying to serve. They were not united. It says actually here that there were those who were coming and they were having their own suppers. They found out that if you came at 5 o'clock, you could eat of the steaks. You could eat of the good stuff. You could eat. They're going to serve something else later. There, There's some indication at least that they were having these Lord's suppers in homes at this time and. Perhaps those of more wealthy individuals in the church and they would come in. And, but people were going early and they were eating before the rest of the people got there. And they, Paul says, that doesn't make sense, does it? This is supposed to cut across all lines of the church. It doesn't matter who you look like or, or, or what you can do. Somehow when you come to the Lord's Supper, it should bring all people together. And yet, you have used even the Lord's Supper to create divisiveness within the church. And he says, I don't praise you for that. I'm not very proud that you have done those things. You've come, you've eaten, you, you've, you have drunk. He says, you have, you, have, you have simply despised the church of God and brought shame. He says, recognize. Recognize what the Lord's Supper is going to be about and recognize this is for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the coming together, the coming together. And then he says, after you recognize, you ought to remember. Notice verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said... Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So what does Paul say? He says, I deliver this tradition to you. This is what I said. This is what I taught you. This is what I delivered to you. And he said, when you come together and you celebrate the Lord's Supper, you're coming together and you're remembering who? Christ. Christ Jesus ought to be the focus of everything we do in the church. Could I hear an amen out of that? Okay. It shouldn't be about personalities or people. It should be about Christ. And certainly when you look at the Lord's Supper, even the elements themselves point to Christ Jesus. The bread represents the body that was broken the juice reflects the blood that was shed for us everything about the supper is to remind us visual aids that God uses to remind us of his story now I'm one of these people I like visual aids I like to be able to see something concrete and it brings these visual aids can bring images to my mind memories to my mind this morning you remember what I had? Baby food jar. You remember that? Yeah, five of you do. You remember that? But sometimes those things, those images, those visuals can remind us, can, can speak to us about a message or the memories that we have. We carry in our wallets a lot of times pictures, don't we? Some of you got pictures in your wallet. Don't start getting out the grandkids. Don't. But you've got those that you would like to show, pictures of your children perhaps, some of your grandchildren, all those kind of things. I say that. We don't even take them in our wallets anymore, do we? How about the cell phone? Got cell phones that now you can just, man, you can just scroll those things, right? And they're pictures, and you love showing them. And they speak to you, remind you of certain things. This last week, I told you that my kids were cleaning up all around the house because the college students were coming. I mean, they've been like cleaning up, getting ready, taking care of things. We would find old pictures here and those, and we'd get them out for a few moments and go down memory lane. You know what I'm talking about? Just kind of stroll down memory lane. Some of the pictures, we would look. My wife's been a little depressed, actually, looking at those old pictures of my kids, remembering how young they were how little they were at one point, they remind you of things. Listen what Jesus did. When he instituted the Lord's Supper, he instituted a visual reminder for us of what he did for us. The bread, the juice, they should always take us back. They should always remind us, not just of the person of Christ, but of the work of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. They should... Help us focus together. If there's any time in the church's life where we ought to be unified, it should be in the Lord's Supper. It should be a moment when we gather around the table and we all recognize how blessed we are that we have received the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. And that not one person in this place, not one individual deserved any of it. But Jesus Christ died on our behalf. Because he loved us so intently. He loved us so much, so immeasurably. And we ought to be reminded of that when we take of the Lord's Supper. We remember what he did. We remember what we're to continue to do. Verse 26 said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Literally through the act of taking of the Lord's Supper, we share the gospel with other people. We declare the gospel. When I take of the bread, when I take of the juice, I am proclaiming the very gospel that Jesus Christ died for our behalf, and He rose again. And we do it until He comes. That is the message that we tell people what He has done, and we tell Him what He can, individuals, what He continues to do, and what He's going to do, even as He returns. Verse 27, that moment of recognition and remembrance leads us, I think, to reflection. It says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, look, we know tonight the only way to come before the table of Christ is through the blood of Christ, right? I just told you nobody in this place was worthy on their own to come before to the Lord's table. But Jesus Christ died for us and rose again. And if we have had faith in him and trusted in him and surrendered our life to him, then we're welcomed to come to the table. And I would say this to you tonight, that if you are a believer in Christ and we take this Lord's Supper in a few moments, we pray that you would gather your heart with ours, your mind with ours, and that you would be unified tonight as we remember the gospel and as we share the gospel through the supper. But what he's saying here is those individuals that, that, again, have forgotten the whole purpose of the Lord's Supper. Remember, these are people just coming now to have a fellowship meal together, enjoy one another, even before the rest of the church gets there. And he says, we must be careful about that. He says in verse 28, but let a man examine himself. The examination, literally the word there means to be tried and tested, that faith that we have. Examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep that ought to get our attention by the way did you hear what it said that literally there were those among the Corinthian church that were getting sick they were facing physical consequences because of the way in which they approached the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. That's a sobering idea, isn't it? And it should make us stop for a moment and really reflect and examine what God has done in our lives. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another." If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home lest you come together for judgment and the rest I will set in order when I come. He says, just come together. Recognize what God wants to do as you come in this corporate manner. Remember who Christ is and what he has done and what he continues to do and reflect then in your life and make sure that you've examined yourself as you come to this time.